0: Hi, I'm Dylan Taylor, Chairman and CEO of Voyager Space Holdings. I'm Ken Eppens, Founder and CEO of Orbit Guardians. Hi, I'm Raphael Rodkin, Founder of E2MC Space Ventures. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project. And I listen to the Cold Star Project.
1: So we actually spent more than a year, about a year and a half doing this study. What we sent, we, we had a large team of about eight people, and we send them to every event possible related to space from the uh, space uh, symposium in Colorado to even to places in China. And we just told them, go, go ask, go talk to people, find the people that will talk to you. After talking to maybe a few hundred people, we found about 10 that are willing to talk. So it's just a lot of talking until you find that people that are convinced you have something and then says, you know what, we want to support you. Here's a bit of information and we'll get all the approval to
0: share it. Welcome back to the Cold Star Project. I'm your host, Jason Cannagan, the founder of this thing, Cold Star Technologies, a data science and process improvement firm. What does that mean, Jason? It means we do machine learning and we look at manufacturing processes and documentation processes and make them run better so that uh, good companies can become better. And I've been saying the data science and process improvement thing for some time and realizing uh, only recently people didn't know what I was talking about for the most part because it's just not part of their world. Uh, but I'm excited to have Rand Kadar here. He is the CEO and one of the founders at Space Products and Innovation, uh, which is coming out of Techstars. We shortened that up to SPIM. He has an MBA from Tel Aviv University and a master's in aerospace and aeronautical engineering from Delft and International Space University uh, content as well in his head. Um, he's been a spacecraft operations engineer and uh, worked for a number of organizations, particularly uh, in Germany. Got to list other things here. I mean, you're no dummy, right? Mission control, software, maintenance, automation systems for operations, implementation, onboard data management, system handling, and ground segment operations, which um, last episode with Elridge DeMello that just came out was all about where I went and self-educated, <laughs> you know, like going and finding somebody who knew what they were talking about in the area. Uh, so I wanted you on because I keep running into you in like Michael Mealing's uh, office hours of the Venture Capital. And I'm like, this is an interesting guy. Um, he's, he's building a business. You've gone through the uh, accelerator or going through it, uh, accelerator program, uh, that kind of thing is always a good experience for those with their head on straight. Uh, <laughs> get into it for the right reasons. Um, and I wanted to, to hear from you the story of, of what it was like setting up spin and, and what you're building in that. So thanks for being here
1: yeah thank you jason jason for hosting me it's a great honor to be on the <laughs> show and uh um it's exciting just to tell our story mm. uh so basically we 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 were students uh well six mm-hmm. years ago uh, and uh we were working on a project for the european space agency and it took three months to create the payload and then took 12 months to integrate it mm. and we said Wait, why are we spending so much time doing the integration work? Today I connect my mouse to my laptop and it works. So why are we so back in time with satellite integration? And uh, we we found out on, on YouTube actually, mm. uh, a project from the US Air Force Research Lab. So the AFRL back in 2008 uh, called Plug and Play Satellite where they assembled the satellite in less than four hours. Mm. And we said, if that was possible back then, why aren't we doing that now? Why do we need years to, to wait until a satellite is in, in order? And I'm a satellite operation engineer, so I'm the guy that always waits and always have delays until I actually can play around with the satellite in space. And I said, I, I want to make satellites faster so I can either play with them in space faster or uh, we can just have better services. And I guess that's what everybody does. What, what Elon Musk and, and what Jeff Bezos want is to want, launch a lot of satellites faster in order to provide services in the end. And uh, what we got to the conclusion is that our project was great, but actually it took four years to design everything and it can only make one type of satellite and can only do one thing. And it actually missed the launch date because it took four years to design. <laughs> so we came up to say, okay, It's a really cool idea, but it's not commercially viable if you still need to take years of years of design. So what we said is instead of designing the whole spacecraft and the whole components to fit to each other, how about we take all the existing components that around in the supply of parts and connect them directly to the onboard computer with a certain adapter that will make all of this plug and play. And this is where we came from.
0: Awesome, so that is the problem that you heard and see uh, saw for yourself as well in the space industry that said, uh, hey, we need a prototype here. Uh, and it really sounds like an evolutionary process. You didn't leap into the the fields going, oh, we know exactly what to do. It was like, oh, let me try this. Well, that was very slow and, we, and you kind of worked on the, the end of the problem that didn't help the most, right? Um, it was necessary to move over here and work on that adapter. And so that's Spin's main product right now, as I understand it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not just our main uh, product, but it was more of a kind of a core vision. So we wanted to hmm. say what's the best way to create plug and play systems. And actually, in the beginning, we said, oh, how about we just upgrade everybody's onboard software? So if we upgrade your software for, for smart software that was able to recognize and connect everything and do all of this. But then Airbus said, wait, we're not going to let you touch my onboard computer. I don't know what software you're putting in. That, that's dangerous. So then we said, OK, how about we add another box next to it? How about a small router that does all these smart technologies, had a lot of code you don't know, will not share with you, but will do the work. And they said, okay, that might be a good consideration. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of an evolution until we reached that product and that product reached a certain variation for small satellites, CubeSats and bigger satellites. But yeah, we, we basically just followed what the customer said until we reached some sort of maturity with our main product
0: hmm Everyone listening, every founder listening, hear what Rand just said, follow the customer, what they said, not what you had in a brainwave by yourself in that ivory tower over there. <laughs> that is the fastest way to get to something people will actually buy. So um, modularity, quick connections, things communicating with each other uh, in, in, a, in a sensible way. I like it. Your tagline is make or build a satellite like Lego, uh, which I like a lot. It matches up pretty well with our make space boring mantra. Tell us what the intention is with the phrasing there and where it could lead to, because you said vision is important.
1: Yeah, and, and this is kind of the grand vision. So. <laughs> I think our grand vision is to have a giant warehouse. We have all these different kinds of equipment that are, can be digitally connected. And then you would have teams from Boeing, from Lockheed, for, from Airbus come in and have a modular manufacturing line where they tell the computer, pick up all these parts that I want, put them together on the structure, just check that everything is thermally and mechanically work and voila, you will have a modular production line which can assemble just about every satellite you want. So that's mm-hmm. the grand vision where you have a lot of Lego parts in the warehouse and you let the kids play with it until they actually get something out.
0: Mm-hmm, okay. And, and it is interesting that you have seen that you need to build the customer interaction into your, your manufacturing line basically and how you execute, um, you can't just, in this situation, make something and hand it to the market. Um, there, there needs to be more involvement and more steps so I'm curious how that will turn out uh, you know as you as you go forward so you, you've worked with tech stars. what has that taught you? I'm curious like what for example stood out as a key factor that, that maybe you hadn't given much importance to when you first started working with them
1: I think tech Techstar really accelerates your your progress as a company by giving you three main points. One is that response time and, and getting there faster is very, very important. So they really flood you with a lot of opportunities, with a lot of connections, either during through different people they meet with you or they flood you with different opportunities they find online. They really set up a platform for you to start working hard. Mm-hmm. And in three months, you're working as hard as you worked for three years. And it's not because we didn't want to work hard in the pr- previous three years. It's just we didn't know what we're capable. And these that TechStar program opens your eyes on what you're capable. So that kind of puts you into the limit, puts you in a, a lot of pressure. The other is how to handle pressure, which is important because once you have customers and a lot of startup fails, once they get it and then they realize that they need to, you know, give warranties, answer on time, provide that or else their reputation and and everything they're they thinking of as, as kind of the leads on to the other sales drops. So really, you you got to stay on top of things and you got to learn how to manage your time. Mm. And that really helped. And the third is, is kind of commodity because you're doing it with other nine startups or 10 in the cohort. Uh, so together, we understand each other. So we're starting to create kind of a family that talks to each other, understand the pain, but also share experience and then maybe share some projects and business. So from that, you're, you're gaining some sort of uh, understanding from people that might be your business partners for, for the next few years.
0: Mm. Okay, so there's a lot going on there uh, in, in terms of focus and uh, prior to being in Techstars, you might've thought, well, I'm not sure, I, I see articles or I read stuff or I'm told or you know, I should do this, 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 this and this, but which really, I'm gonna try and do them all maybe and then Techstars like, no, focus on this, this and this and, and you'll get to that result. Now, I noticed they have really strong messaging about uh, ecosystem development. How is that translated for for SPIN?
1: It's a great mantra. They bring up uh, partners that uh, Mm -hmm. already exist in the the recent programs or just joined that including commercial partners. They bring you um, opportunities to collaborate, to get the, the right tools you need to grow, the right teams. They even bring you some tools that help you hire other people or find people that you need and it's all internal in the system so that that ecosystems also do the opposite so we're supporting other startups that provide us tools mm-hmm. and they're part of the techstar program so together we're all growing because we're using their technology but we're benefiting from that technology also
0: hmm. okay that that's pretty interesting so it's not just the camaraderie of the cohort but there's people above and below you in the in the development chain who are helping out and then uh, clearly, it's, it's also affected your interaction with the customer because of what you were saying about the vision and involving them in uh, sort of making the pancakes, right? you know, yeah. making the end product uh, in assembling those satellites. You are not going to do this in your own uh, clean room over there and then deliver it, the, the thing to them at the end. How did you arrive at a standard connector? It's very difficult, I think, in this industry to get people to agree on a standard. And they don't like things having imposed on them from outside. They really need this feeling of interaction and involvement, Uh, even um, in the communication of satellite signals, Right, The, the TLEs there's a format that could be improved. But how do you do it? Um, I found a report from like 20 years ago where people were looking at trying to improve that communications format. It was a great report, nothing seemed to happen from it, right? So in your case, how did you arrive at a a connector standard that that could work that uh, the the end customer would um, accept?
1: So uh, when we started this, we got a bit of funding in order just to hire people, but not to get any hardware. So what we said is, how about we go to all of the industry, Airbus, Lockheed, uh, OHB, and Talos here in Europe, and ask them if we had this design, what kind of connectors, what kind of interfaces, what would you like to see? And we gathered all the requirements, did the 80% rule. So 80% is enough. We don't need to get to 100 to, to satisfy everybody. And we find the technology to support 80% of these communication technologies on the protocol level, on the software level. And we actually discovered that if you combine all of that, you can get up to a few hundreds of thousands of different variation of people using their own protocol software, their own hardware communication, their own interface there. So that brings a lot of challenges for us. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, when we do it, it's a one-off. So we said, okay, Our device that we design will have the basic seven interfaces that currently exist from anything from CubeSat, which uses usually I2C up to MIL standard that are used by NASA and probably the USA, Air Force, and we'll cover all the software protocol, we'll embed each one, but we'll do it according to the customer requirements. So more Mm. customers, then we embed more protocols. So we create a lot of combinations in one box, similar to that... If you have a power converter and you have to take it to different countries, but we are always trying to just roll with what the technology wants or what the customer wants, rather than saying you need to to face this and just take what we have. And it is working because we, we are getting a bit of traction uh, from both Europe and the US. But what's actually the challenge is that nobody actually agrees on how definition of how to talk to the devices. Hmm. So what are the commands to send? What are the telemetry? Everybody has literally its own definition that adds a thousand more configuration. And this is where we're hoping that some initiatives in the US and Europe will lead, will catch on, and then everybody will be able to agree that, you know, this is how we write the documents to define how we talk to each other. So then companies like us can just take that document, put it into XML or whatever readable machine and use it.
0: This is Jason Kanigan from Cold Star Tech, and I'm excited to share with you a new offer from Cold Star that we are bringing out to help both space founders and venture capitalists who fund space companies, and it's on two levels. The lower level is a VC who is looking at possibly funding a space company, but they just don't get it, right? A lot of tech founders want to come out and create some sort of technical capability, but they do not understand business. And so you'll look and you'll go, where's the customer here? Where's the business model? And they'll go, huh, but I want to make rockets or something, right? And and it's really cool. Well, that, as we know from the dot-com era, is not a viable business model. And so you bring us in. We've got great technical expertise on the space side. Folks who have done this sort of assessment before, like our technical engineering advisor, Dr. Rick Fleeter, myself in the process engineering field, plenty of other people with brains to look at this problem so that you don't have to blow your brains out trying to figure out how to make this work. And on the company side it's a benefit for them because we will show them the roadmap to how you're going to get funded, how, how you will want to fund them, what changes to make to get VCs excited about putting money in. And so that's good for you. Right? The second level is at a, a deeper and higher level at the same time. It is for venture capitalists who have uh, given a seed round to a company, a space company and that has gone on for a little while six months a year something like that and it is time as uh, COVID has made it to double down or get out those are pretty much the choices right it's time to invest further in a thing we already know which seems to be the direction vcs are going in right now uh, they don't seem to want to look at new things uh, or or stop we just kill the project and so the good news is in that situation, there's a lot more going on. There's more meat for Cold Star experts to get in and, and analyze, right? You're going to have processes in place, whether they know it or not. We'll be able to flowchart those and, and maybe accurately document them for the first time so we can get some kind of value chain going in the organization. We'll be able to test whether the leadership is the right group of people or whether you're missing something, the strategic direction, the business model, all this stuff. So. If this sounds interesting to you, reach out to us. You can email me at jason at coldstartech.com or just connect with me and message me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way to do it. And uh, I am excited to talk to you. The the kind of transformation that we're able to offer here is beyond anything you'll see out there. And as a VC, this will save you so much time and energy, right? Like if you're a VC and you've got a hundred companies to look at, you've got three days a year (laughs) <laughs> to, to look at each one maybe right that's not really good enough is it wouldn't it be better to have uh, experienced expert space people who understand space right look at this investment and tell you here's a grade right here are several grade areas is this thing ready to pour gasoline on the fire or is it just going to go up in smoke this is Jason Caniga from Cold Star Tech let's get back to the interview so yeah, there's even more complexity than I thought. And then the question pops into my head, how the heck did you get these folks to share their proprietary stuff, right? Like you were just saying, oh no, they, they wouldn't let us uh, you know, touch their stuff. And now they're saying, okay, on the software side, we'll let you have these protocols and you can see them. Where's the line there and how did that shift?
1: So we actually spend more than a year about a year and a half doing this study. What well, we sent, we, we had a large team of about eight people and we sent them to every event possible related to space from the uh, space uh, symposium in Colorado to even to places in China. And we just, them go, go ask, go talk to people, find the people that will talk to you. After talking to maybe a few hundred people, we found about 10 that are willing to talk. So it's just a lot of talking until you find that people that are convinced you have something and then says, you know what, we want to support you. Here's a bit of information and we'll get all the approval to
0: share it. Okay. I, I love it uh, because it is all about like as a, I've been a sales trainer for 10 years and the starting point of outreach for prospecting or whatever for new business um, in, in this case, I wanna talk to people who wanna talk to me and and I don't wanna fight to, to reach people who don't wanna talk to me, right? It's, it's a waste of effort. So I really like that. Um, you sent people out to screen and, and I imagine it was for like similar values and, and who wanted to solve this problem uh folks i'm sure were surprised that somebody wanted to solve it at all <laughs> that, that novelty may uh have gotten you you know to some distance of the way okay and then and then you got a few of the the lego pieces to play with um how how much of a snowball effect has there been on Potential user adoption for this, or people going, all right, they're doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it, they're doing it, uh, like sort of a network effect kind of thing. All right, we might as well. I guess, I guess they're safe. I see this in the data science um, field, by the way, in the healthcare industry. Uh, healthcare people are loath to share their data with anybody outside the organization. And uh, if, if you can start getting that snowball effect, somebody who said no to you a year ago or two years ago may relax and say, okay, you've proven you're trustworthy. You're not gonna have a data breach here. Uh, we'll go ahead now. So how has that worked for you?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting case. It's a bit tougher in our industry. Uh we do see that people that wouldn't even talk to us a few years ago now are saying okay we need to check this because we see airbus bought it and we see boeing is interested or other companies are interested so that leads us to to a lot more potential and uh, it, it is not a slow process it takes months maybe up to six months for people to get back to you with serious answers but we we do get to see a lot of more um, activities, uh, just because the early adopters are spreading the words. And I have to thank them for not just the initial buy, but for the trust and belief, because this is what startups are based on.
0: Yeah. How, How do you celebrate wins when you get somebody on board?
1: we have a tradition actually ah
0: okay this is just a random question this is not on the list people (laughs) yeah Yeah, but it's a uh, really
1: good question here so Uh. we made a promise that uh, each of the three founders one of us gives something very important for a whole month so uh, for example was uh for me like not watching any tv for a whole month Mm. Uh, so we 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 now set the new goals for the next buy-in. So every time we have a new milestone that is very big, Mm -hmm. we promise all of us to celebrate that. Of course, we do have a celebration dinner and the usual stuff, but we actually give Mm -hmm. it some sort of a karmic give back that we try to prevent something or reduce something.
0: Huh, mini lent. <laughs> I like it. All right. Um, let's see, uh, y- y- we talked a little bit off off camera about uh, co founders and, and yours, you, you they were just kind of around you. Um, and fortunately, seemed to have worked out well for you. But but uh, what quality do co founders need? Uh, and what what help do they bring to balance the team? Because you don't want three versions of you, right running around?
1: Yeah, three versions of, of, of any founder is three <laughs> yeah. versions of discussions that will never stop and will never mm-hmm. get solved. Uh, I think one of the most important things when you choose uh, founders or when you have founders is the the balance that will have w- one that is more silent, one that is more outspoken and uh, one that is more kind of uh, understanding. And you do need some sort of uh, a group dynamics that allows you to solve issues or to discuss something's very important because wanting it or not the difficult questions will arise everybody will someday give you okay if you have a million euros this is what we offer would you take it and then there's a lot of harsh conditions so it only makes sense if you have people with really different point of views that balance each other out and balance is is like the, the key for making sure you arrive to that because I saw a lot of founders that just quit because they couldn't achieve at least the minimum balance to, to be able to have a discussion.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: I think also the most important quality in a founder is belief is you need to believe that there's, Mm. it's not the end, that every failure has a, every Low point has a high point, and every activity is something that you need to give. It's not a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. It's it's something you you truly want to do. You could be a it could be a failure. You could be saying, okay, I did this, I'll go on to the next stage. But you have to come from a point saying I'm not doing it for immediately getting a lot of money, because you won't see a lot of money <laughs> in the next six months or next year. And it's not a point of you saying, Oh, I'm doing this and putting it on, on, you know, on social media, it's a point of view committing and going it for the long run and especially for space. That's important.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, a very new industry, especially the commercial slice of it. Um, who have you, uh, found as, as important to deepening your understanding of business and startups? I guess individuals I'm looking for, not just tech stars, for example, as as a body, yeah. but two or three people maybe.
1: I found that uh, a lot of people that that came with us along the way, uh, especially the early mentors that even were kind of a bit clueless with us, but were more high level and tried to to understand with us was really helpful. So our first big mentor was uh, Claudia Kessler. Hmm. And she used to be the CEO of AG Space. She's now leading her own startup, which she also started because she, she was talking, mentoring a few startups back in, in 2015. And she was doing two amazing, sta- two amazing uh, things. One is us providing startups financial and, and, and kind of political support to start for us and for other companies. And the second she was learning, she was really trying to understand what are the problems, what are the problems in the industry? And that really helped everybody say, you know what, it's not just here's the money, go solve your problem, come back to us. It's here the money, let's see if you can get in touch with Airbus, with OHB. Let's see why they won't talk to you. Let's see what is to make a startup. Let's see how you get federal government money. So all of that uh, dynamic mentor is really important. Hmm. And I think her and um, also another great uh, person that helped us is uh, Frank Zalsgeber, which is the head of uh, uh, the European Space Agency uh, uh, Venture Office, Mm -hmm. or used to be called the Technology Transfer Program Mm -hmm. Office. Uh, They're the people that were saying, we know that there needs to be startups. We know we need new space, especially in Europe. We know it doesn't work yet. Let's help everybody to try to make it doesn't matter where they come from doesn't matter even if they're just trying. We want to make everybody a success because it will help everybody else.
0: Nice, nice. Well, that, that was some good info there. Um, I, I know with founders to be successful that these are two sides of the same coin, you need faith which we just talked about. And also the reality distortion field, uh, which, is, which is kind of good and kind of bad as well, because you can go way out on a limb with the reality distortion field and be wrong. right? Um, but at the beginning, sometimes in order to bust into a new market, uh, like you have, you need it because you, you cannot accept being told no. Right at the beginning, so let's let's finish up with this a more general question. Uh, obviously, I'm based in North America, so that's what I see first. But I'm very curious about the European uh, hardware space startup scene. What is that like, and what's going on in it? So
1: it is a, a less mature uh, scene than than North America in both sides and both uh, the level, just because of the uh, budgets uh, that exist. Uh, But it is growing a lot because there's a lot of good universities here that are uh, allowing people to spin off and create their own technology. Either it is thrusters or we're talking about uh, new sensors and actuators. But even uh, things like uh, complete new modular systems or complete new payloads with cameras are actually picking up a lot. Uh, but it's it's a very tough uh, uh, scene to be in. There's not a lot of funding uh, until probably this year. Uh, there were not a lot of choices. There are just a few small grants and accelerators. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have SBIRs, which, which provide you money in less than kind of a month or two. Usually the cycles to get money is six to 12 months just to get approval and another year after that to start a contract. Uh, so... I think it's, it's challenging, but it's really impressive to see how many companies are forming here lately.
0: Hmm. And sticking it out through that sort of desert yeah, drought period. <laughs> interesting. Especially with COVID, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Rand Kadar, uh, CEO at uh, Space Products and Innovation, aka SPIN. Where can people go find out more about you and SPIN, maybe connect with you?
1: So they're always welcome to go to our website at www.spinintech.com or just visit my LinkedIn at Ron Kedar and I'll be happy to chat to everybody and I'll be happy to tell them how it's great to be at your show. Jason, it's always amazing and thank you for doing this. It's a real service for the industry and for our scene.
0: Hey, this is Jason Kanigan, the host of the program. Thanks a lot for listening to The Cold Star Project. If you want me to send you new episodes of The Cold Star Project so that you don't have to go hunting around for them or watching YouTube or anything like that, go to this page, coldstartech.com msb, that's short for Make Space Boring, which is what we're all about, and uh, drop in your email address there, and I will be able to do that for you. Make Space Boring is another little show that I run. Uh, It's a shorter format, quick interviews, and uh, news of the day, and sometimes an update of who I'm meeting and what I'm learning in the space field. It's on the same Cold Star Tech channel. Speaking of which, on the YouTube channel, I can do something I cannot do on the audio-only version, which is add playlists, and so there may be topic area playlists on the YouTube channel, that you would be interested in digging into and going down the rabbit hole and learning uh, more about. For example, space law and policy, space situational awareness, the lunar mining and construction and fun stuff like that. So go check that out. Uh, that is at coldstartech.com play. That's the short link to get there. Anyway, thanks for listening and I look forward to talking to you soon.